We continue on in our spring sermon series, Light Living, as today we focus on the right light. In the past two sermons, I've talked about the importance of Sunday school teachers for sharing the light of Christ. Parents are equally, if not more important, in the process of sharing the faith with their children. In fact, the formative years, when children have a good relationship with their parents, they often look up to them and see them as the right light in their lives. Indeed, parents are important lights for their kids, but in the context we're using this morning, they are not the right light. Yet, they are important in as much as they point us to Christ. Now, you all knew that I would say the right light is Christ, because that's what you expect ministers to say. That's exactly what we are trained to say. But more importantly, you believe that and know it by faith, that Christ is the true light. The key is knowing what the right light means in your inward being and your outward doing. A senior minister was training a new minister and requested her presence on, at some rather serious counseling sessions with a husband and wife who were in conflict. They first met with the husband who told his side of the story. After he was finished, the senior minister told the man, you're right, you're right, you're so right. And then later, after they met with the wife and she shared her story, he also said to her, you're right, you're right, you're so right. After the two were alone, the assistant minister was confused and said, you know, they both can't be right. And the senior minister looked at her and said, you're right, you're right, you're so right. So so what is the right light, really, in a world where so many choices and so many voices are, are there, in a world where practically anything goes and very little holds? To know that something or someone is truly the right light, there needs to be a connection within the self. For at one level, determining if Christ is the right light is a personal choice, and it depends on how one is seeing. And on a global level, if Christ is the light of the world, whether or not people acknowledge that Christ is the light of the world doesn't change the reality. It doesn't change the reality of Christ's spirit and true enlightening of the world, even though it is not always so named. As the philosopher Blaise Pascal observed, there is enough light for those who wish only to see, and enough obscurity for those of a contrary attitude. At the interior level, seeing is a very personal matter. How we see what we see is in some ways more important than what we see. Many of you may recall a book which was made into a movie called The Color Purple. In it come these telling lines. 
Listen, Shug say, God love everything you love and a mess of stuff you don't. But more than anything else, God love admiration. Her friend said, you saying God is vain? Nah, she say, not vain, just wanting to share a good thing. I think it pisses God off if you walk by the color purple in a field somewhere and don't notice it. What an insight. You see, God wants our praise, not because God is vain or conceited, but because God has made some very beautiful things and done some very beautiful things. In fact, God continues to do those things. God simply wants our praise and glory and us to notice all those things. Listen to verse 8 from our Isaiah text. I am Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. God wants our praise and God wants our lives to reflect and show forth God's glory. Listen to our other text from John's Gospel. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed or manifested in him. So often we want to put the light on ourselves or someone else, either in terms of blame or for glory and recognition. But the right light is from God as it is shared in and through Christ. A blind man was asked by a sympathetic woman, doesn't being blind rather color your life? The blind man replied, yes, but thank God I can choose the color. And since I am responsible for my life, I'm going to keep on choosing the most beautiful colors I can. So what colors do you choose in your life? The man could have chosen the color of bitterness, but he didn't. The blind man in our passage from John went on to be healed by Jesus. The issue here isn't solely focused on whether or not he was healed. Rather, it was about allowing the works of God to be made manifest to glorify and help. And that can be done blind or seeing. Helen Keller once wrote, I learned that it is possible for us to create light and sound and order within us no matter what calamity may befall us in the outer world. She was receptive to the right light, the light of Christ within. Seeing with the right light is perhaps something we take for granted or or maybe something we miss altogether. The 19th century painter, William Turner, paints an intriguing word picture in the following poem. The spring blew trumpets of color. Her green sang in my brain. I heard a blind man groping. Tap, tap. 
with his cane. I pitied him, his blindness, but can I boast I see? Perhaps there walks a spirit close by who pities me, a spirit who hears me tapping the five-sense cane of mine amid such unguessed glories that I am worse than blind. What colors do we choose to see in our lives? And do we really see the right light? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, what? See God. Those who have an open and receptive and pure heart will see all things and all people are a part of God. O Jesus, Lord of gentleness, please now our hearts possess that we may give you all our days a willing tribute of work and praise. Praising God in Christ and working his works through our lives is what it's all about. Verses 4 and 5 of our text from John put it straightforwardly. We must work the works of him who sent me While it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus provides what we need for true seeing. Jesus puts his total trust, dependency, and receptivity in God. And then responded with his life. See if you can catch the vision Isaiah had of the right light, right seeing, and right living. Here is my servant who I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. So what are the prisons of our darkness in a world where oppression, violence, and hunger are so prevalent? And in a world where people mow down others with guns designed for mass killing? Justice is the daily struggle of love working out its problems. It is nothing new that God is calling for right relations among individuals, among races, among ethnic and religious factions, among political factions, and among nations. It's just that we as human beings can't seem to get it. But it needs to happen somewhere. And perhaps it can be right here, right now with us, 
with the help of the right light. A Korean legend tells of a lion and lamb encounter between an invading general and a conquered Benedictine monk. Oblivious to the battle going on all around him, the monk continued in prayer and meditation. Amazed, the general interrupted him. Swine, look at me, what do you see? And the monk replied, I see Christ. That's strange, the general sneered. When I look at you, I see only a pig. That's no surprise, the monk said. For one who has Christ's heart sees Christ in all things, while the one who has a pig's heart, as we might say, if the shoe fits. It's been well said that love equals justice and justice equals love. And remember, God wants our glory, love, and justice. I am the Lord. That is my name, my glory. I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. New things. So, this is how our text from Isaiah ends. Simply put, we are to be glory givers to God. And tied to that is working the works of God through our giving, loving, and being just. That is what was meant for the man who was blind in our text from John. Oh, oh, I know it's human nature to wonder who was to blame for his blindness, his own sin or his parents' sin. But Jesus knew better. It was neither. The crucial thing was that God's glory be manifested in him, healed or not. I am the light of the world, said Jesus. And he might go on to say to us today, and if the whole world doesn't see it, which it won't, then let me be the light of your world. And so regardless of our hardships and situations in life, what is our most important purpose in life? To make manifest, to show God's glory in word and deed. Do that, and you have found the right light. Let's let Abraham Lincoln have the closing thought in one of his most remembered prayers. Lord. Give us faith that right makes might. Grant, O merciful God, that with malice towards none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as you give us to see the right, we may strive to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to all, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, Christ is 
the right light for right seeing and for right living. Amen.